Are your wiper blades chattering, skipping, or squeaking? Don't let streaks or smearing on your windshield compromise your visibility. When it's time to replace your wiper blades, stop by O'Reilly Auto Parts and see our selection. Our professional parts people will even install your new wiper blades while you wait. Stop by O'Reilly Auto Parts today. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. The secret to catching prize-worthy fish? Fishing like a local. Jonas Knox here with Fishing Booker. The valuable knowledge of a local guide can turn a fishing trip of no bites into the best catch of the day. Go to fishingbooker.com to discover thousands of local fishing charters from all around the world and create your perfect angling adventure with their easy-to-use online booking system. Visit fishingbooker.com and book your trip today. Fishing Booker. Fishing trips made easy. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bed 365 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. Hey, it's Jonas Knox. Winter is coming. Heavy rain, sleet, snow, and ice. Are your tires up for the challenge? Tread confidently in winter's worst with a set of new tires from Tire Rack. They sell only the best, like the full line of Pirelli tires. Go to TireRack.com sports. Tell them what you drive. Your tires will ship fast and free to you or one of over 10,000 recommended installers. TireRack.com, the way tire buying should be. Live from the Geico Fox Sports Radio Studios, 15 minutes could save you 15% or more on car insurance. Visit geico.com for a free rate quote. And I got to be honest with you, 48 hours ago, I did not think that I was going to be the king of all media. But I have become the king of all media. In the last 24 hours, I've done Fox News, Tucker Carlson show twice. I've done CNN, I've done headline news, and I've done pretty much every major radio show in the country that I could fit in. And all of it has spiraled out of a story that OutKick broke, that I broke about uh, whatever it was, everything runs together now, Tuesday night. And that story that is still reverberating across the landscape, not just of sports, but of the larger cultural landscape is ESPN having replaced an Asian guy named Robert Lee because his name was too familiar to Robert E. Lee from calling the Virginia and William and Mary game. If you have been living under a rock and you haven't heard this story, it just sounds absurd to even say out loud, but millions of people have come read Outkick the Coverage's article about that. Obviously, millions of people have been watching it And ESPN now has issued three different statements about this incident. The most recent one that came out last night, which is full of lies and which accuses me of being, as the statement from ESPN president John Skipper says, I'm disappointed that the good intentions of our Charlotte colleagues have been intentionally hijacked by someone with a personal agenda. And that's just such a joke. I'm going to be honest with you. Um, there is absolutely no truth to it, and 
I love the fact that I have got ESPN's president, John Skipper, so rattled that he's having to put out public statements which are full of lies. And all this is is a larger-scale context of everything that came out of the Colin Kaepernick protest. It's that ESPN has decided somewhere along the way that they are going to lionize left-wing athletes and treat them as if they are the equivalent of modern-day heroes. And most of you out there listening right now do not believe that because Michael Sam wanted to have sex with a dude that he was worthy of lionization. Most of you out there listening right now don't think that because Bruce Jenner became Caitlyn Jenner, because a dude decided to become a girl, that that was the most impressive sports accomplishment in the universe, like ESPN said it was when they gave him an ESPY. And the vast majority of you out there, Colin Kaepernick's protest went on in New York City. The vast majority of the people who showed up for that protest, I saw a lot of the pictures, not hardcore NFL fans. They have hijacked the sporting conversation. But the vast majority of you out there aren't like, you know who Colin Kaepernick reminds me of? Rosa Parks. You know who this guy who made tens of millions of dollars to play football and then decided that when he was on his job, he needed to take a knee and protest, and now he's upset because he can't get a job. You know, he reminds me of Rosa Parks. And everyone with a functional brain, this is crazy. Today's show covered this story, all right? Today's show put up a poll. Do you agree with the decision of ESPN to pull this Asian guy named Robert Lee off the broadcast? Do you know what the poll results were? 97% of people said they disagreed with ESPN's decision. Do you know how hard it is to have a poll where 97% of the people who are involved in the poll have the same opinion? That's almost impossible. I'm not sure what I could put out there that would get a result like that, short of saying something like, it's wrong for a three-year-old to get beaten up by his parents. Like, I'm not sure what I could write that would get 97% agreement. And we, again, put out this poll question, is this the dumbest thing that ESPN has ever done in the history of the network? And over 10,000 of you voted. Massive response to our poll question, as there usually is. And it's just about to close because these things last for 24 hours. And what is totally wild about it is the percentages here, too. I asked, is removing Robert Lee from calling the Virginia game because his name is too similar to Robert E. Lee the dumbest thing ESPN has ever done? Now, remember, last week ESPN was apologizing for Odell Beckham Jr.'s face being used as part of a fantasy football auction alongside Tom Brady and Rob Gronkowski, and ESPN apologized because people said, this reminds me of a slave auction. So ESPN's done a lot of dumb things over the year. Over 31,000 of you voted, all right, in this poll that I put up yesterday, almost exactly 24 hours ago. I put it up during this show yesterday. 85% of you said it's the dumbest thing ESPN has ever done. Over 31,000 votes. That's a massive poll question on Twitter. You can find me, by the way, on Twitter at Clay Travis. And I think what the response has shown as the response has reined in, by the way, how stupid is ESPN? Three different statements they've now issued 
since their initial statement to me at Outkick the Coverage confirming that they pulled this guy Robert Lee off. And last night at about 8 o'clock Eastern, the president of the network takes a shot at me and releases this latest statement. Literally, as I am going on Tucker Carlson's insanely popular Fox News show with millions of people watching. And if you ever wondered what pure destruction looks like, go watch that entire clip of my uh, per, of my performance on Tucker Carlson. In fact, I think Danny G pulled the first minute of that, and here we're going to play it for you. This is me last night just absolutely, I believe, destroying ESPN on the Tucker Carlson program on Fox News. So, Clay, first to you, you broke this story. ESPN reacted in some greater detail today and said this had nothing to do with political correctness and nothing to do with race. Am I missing something or is that just like a a lie? It's a lie. I mean, ESPN lies a lot. And Tucker, you know this, having covered politics for a long time. When you put out an initial statement and then you have to follow it with another statement and then you have to follow it with a third statement, what you're realizing is that everybody is calling you on your BS and you're continuing to follow it with more BS. And so by the time you get to the third statement, the first statement is probably the most reliable. It didn't tell the full story, but this is what ESPN does. This is why fans on both the left and right sides of the political spectrum have been abandoning the network because they aren't trustworthy. And because, like I said, they are MSESPN. They're using their ability to reach people through sports as an opportunity to become a left-leaning sports network. And it used to be Sports was dessert. It was the toy chest of life. It was where we all went to escape the serious things that confronted us every day. And now that's not the case anymore. It's like, I've got three kids, Tucker. If I tell them you've got dessert when you finish this meal and then I give them broccoli, they're not going to be very happy. ESPN's giving us broccoli every single day and trying to sell it as dessert. Well, that's right. That's the frustrating thing. And that's why I'm almost never offended by MSNBC, the real one, because they are what they say they are. That was Tucker. You can go watch the entire thing if you want to watch that uh, that hit. I was on with Britt McHenry, and then my buddy Jason Whitlock came on after us. That was on the start of Fox News. That's how big of a story this has become, that Tucker Carlson, who has the most popular show every night on cable now, that he led his entire story last, his entire show last night with this story. So it has become a story that is everywhere, international even. People have been reaching out to see whether I'll come on over the pond and talk about this story, and all of it has happened in the last 36 hours or so. And I just come back again and again to what I think is the central thesis here. ESPN blew this situation beyond a shadow of a doubt, right? This guy, Robert Lee, I got tipped off by people inside of ESPN. I appreciate everybody who listens right now, who is listening right now, who works at ESPN as they drive into work all over the country. And the reason why so many ESPN employees are listening right now to this show is because they agree with me that their company has become a political organization shilling in a way that isn't making everyone treated equally. Look, people sometimes say, oh, Clay, like you talk a lot about politics. Why do you complain about ESPN putting politics in sports? It's a fair question. What they're missing is the larger context. I am perfectly fine with politics interjecting with sports. What I'm not perfectly fine with is somebody coming out there and trying to tell me all these things they've been doing about Michael Sam, Colin Kaepernick, and now, uh, and, and certainly Caitlyn Jenner, 
and now this thing with Robert Lee. One side of the political equation being trumpeted, being praised, and the other side not being at all acknowledged is a disaster. And it's unfair. And that's what I'm hearing from people inside ESPN all the time, that if you're a left-wing liberal who believes that Colin Kaepernick is a modern-day Rosa Parks, who believes that Michael Sam having sex with the, with dudes, it makes him a hero, and also believes that Caitlyn Jenner deciding to cut her penis off and become a man makes her worthy of commendation, then you get promoted, and you get television shows, and you get support from the network. If you don't believe those things and you are public about them, you get none of that. In fact, you have a good chance to lose your job. And that's why it is a completely unequal and unfair treatment. It's the difference between saying, what do you think of Colin Kaepernick's protest, which is what we always begin the discussion with here. I obviously think he's an idiot protesting in a stupid way. But ESPN will be like, how heroic is Colin Kaepernick? Right? The question matters. And so here with this Robert Lee situation, I have been beating this drum for a long time. ESPN is obsessed with diversity of color, right? And this is something that I think far left-wing people do, and it is just wrong. Diversity of color is fine, but diversity of color should not be your goal when you use the word diversity. You should be pursuing diversity of opinion. And the fact that ESPN has lots of people who are different colors but all think the same is how they ended up making a decision like they did in this Robert Lee case. In this Robert Lee case, they had a guy, an Asian guy, named Robert Lee, who was set to call the University of Virginia against William & Mary game, right? On the opening Saturday of college football. This game will be like the 50th most popular college football game that exists on all of television that day. If they had just let this guy call the game, nobody notices that his name is Robert Lee and that it's similar to Robert E. Lee, and that there's very much associated with it for more than like 45 minutes or an hour. Could somebody create a funny internet meme where they're like, man, look at Robert E. Lee trying to sneak back into Charlottesville. We see you, Robert. You're not, you're not, uh, you're not smooth. And it's a picture of Robert Lee dressed as a Confederate general. Maybe for 45 minutes or an hour, that's a story. Probably not. But worst case scenario, that's what happens. And then you've got this game kicking off at the exact same time as Michigan and Florida. And then later on that day, you've got Alabama and Florida State, which is the best matchup of of top teams in the opening weekend of college football that we have had in decades. Number one against number three. So get out of here with this idea from ESPN that this was going to be a major story. Somebody should have stood up and said, okay, wait. That's the worst case scenario if we just leave him on this game. If we pull him off this game and this news gets out, we're going to look incredibly idiotic and this is going to be a really messy situation for us. And the news got out because people inside ESPN leaked it to me and we wrote about it at Outkick the Coverage. Otherwise, it would have never gotten out. And now they're trying to say, oh, well, we were just trying to protect this guy. Get out of here. You've made him an object of ridicule for two days now, and you have killed your brand. I tell you what, when I saw this story go up and I started to see it pop everywhere, I felt like the Night King, spoiler alert, on Game of Thrones. Like I just pulled a spear out 
and took out a dragon, and it had just gone down beneath the water. That's what I think I did to ESPN. I Buster Douglas them against Mike Tyson. I absolutely knocked them out. What do you got, Danny G? You know, Clay, I was watching it live on Fox News, and what'd you think? What'd you give me a, a grade one to ten? How well, you think I did? there's you one know, very know. serious thing that you haven't mentioned. Your hair was a major fail. Really? You didn't like my hair last night? <laughs> Britt McHenry, she uh, lapped you with, yeah. Oh, well, look, let's be honest. I will say this. Britt McHenry is so much better looking than me that it's like putting the Crypt Keeper on <laughs> next to, like, a Victoria's Secret supermodel, right? Like, Britt McHenry's really smart. We have her on the show all the time. But you put Britt McHenry and me side by side in a split screen, and there's no, there's no favors being done to me, right? Like, my wife watched it last night, and she was like, why is your why is your lighting so much worse than Britt McHenry's? And I'm like, yeah. it's not my lighting. It's that her DNA is so much better than mine. Just like your DNA is so much better than mine. Like <laughs> I am just a normal looking dude, and they got other people who look like supermodels coming on television. Like this is what happened. The one of the years that we were doing the show on Fox College Football, they had um, me, Petros Papadakis, Matt Leinart, and uh, Joel Klatt and Rob Stone on a panel together, right? And Petros and I just looked at each other. Petros obviously is is really a funny dude. Does an awesome show on five seventy LA in the in the afternoon. I'm sure a lot of you in LA listening right now listen to Petros. And he and I looked at each other and we're like, "What are they doing? Like they put me between Leinart and and Joel Klatt, like two of the best looking dudes to ever play quarterback in the history of college football. And then I'm just a dude who writes online. It's like I'm just lucky that I have a tan and I'm not sunburned, right? So I actually thought my hair looked pretty good. I just thought it looked awful in conjunction with Britt McHenry, who did a really good job last night on Tucker Carlson as well. I need to be put next to normal-looking dudes. Like I remember my buddy, Chris Vernon, who is a, uh, a Memphis uh, sports guy, awesome dude, covers the Grizzlies a lot. He, uh, we were at Ole Miss for a uh, Tennessee Ole Miss game, and uh, he was walking around in the press box. He's like, you know, you're not bad-looking for guys in the press box. And that's totally true, right? Like, it, the press box standard of good looks is where I kind of excel. You got a bunch of fat dudes, like uh, bad hair, a lot of toupees. Like for writers about sports, I'm insanely good looking. I would be like the hot, I'm the hottest sports writer in America in many press boxes that I go into. Like if there were a draft and women had to pick a guy that they want to bang in the in the press box, if you exclude TV guys and you just do guys who write, I'm like the hottest sports writer in America. Everybody would want to bang me. But you put me on television with other good-looking people like Britt McHenry, and I look like the Crypt Keeper. That's the truth. There's no doubt about that. By the way, open phone lines, 877-996-6369. Did you watch CNN? Did you watch Headline News? Did you watch Fox News? You can give me a review on my performance. You can also weigh in on this ridiculousness. Why is ESPN filled with so many liars at the top of that organization? And what do they have to feel like to get dunked on and just have my balls all up in their face? Not just balls either, like sweaty balls. Like can't be a good feeling for ESPN. I'm Clay Travis. Your calls, your reactions up next. By the way, Jason Martin's finally back. We'll find out what he did on his vacation. I don't think he did anything. The only thing I saw him tweeting was, I'm at home, I'm on the porch, and I can't see the eclipse. But if I did, it wouldn't be that impressive. I'm Clay Travis. Jason Martin's back. The whole crew is back together. Your reactions, 877-996-6369. On Fox Sports Radio. Great news. Quick way you can save money. Switch to Geico. 
go to Geico.com, and in 15 minutes, you could save 15% or more on car insurance. And if your check engine light comes on, head to AutoZone. Their fixed finder tool can check it on the spot for free. Get in the zone, AutoZone. We're in the zone here. Outkick the coverage on Fox Sports Radio. Hope your Thursday morning is going great. Back in the zone with us is Jason Martin. Jason, how was your three days off? Did you do anything impressive? I don't know that I did anything particularly impressive. I went out with a young lady on Tuesday night, but yesterday I got What'd contacts. What did you guys do? Uh, we, went to a din- we went to dinner. Um, so uh, where did you go to dinner? Like a uh, romantic Jay Alexander's di- here in Nashville. Yeah. All right, so uh, what about your worlds colliding here? Me taking over Fox News. Uh, what, what did you think of my performance? I was actually pretty impressed. Uh, I watched it last night. I didn't see it live because I was doing something else, but I did watch the full video uh, on the website actually a little bit later on, and I thought your points were pretty much cogent throughout. Uh, it's nice that you mixed in a collar. Uh, for I your did. I went yesterday. on Wednesday night. I didn't know I was going to be on, so I've got a home cam. So I can uh, like what what they do is I can go immediately. On TV, basically. I've got a direct link into the Fox Sports studio in L.A. in my house. So uh, some, if you're on Snapchat, like I showed behind the scenes kind of picture of what that looks like. So I can just, uh, you know, flip a switch, basically, and be immediately streamed into Fox Sports. And so I didn't know that we were going to be on officially because I didn't know that ESPN was going to release a statement on Tuesday night. So I had like five minutes to get ready to the fact that I was going to be on. So I had a T-shirt. But I've been the first person to appear as a guest on Fox News ever in a T-shirt and unshaven like I was. So I stepped it up. I put on a collar shirt and I shaved. So uh, so my mom was impressed with that. Yeah, but in terms of what you were saying, I mean, this story, ESPN has shot themselves in the foot about 50 times. And then when I saw the John Skipper piece or the John Skipper reaction come out last night and I read through that and I saw actually Britt Hume actually made the same point that I thought which was that the first and second paragraphs of that statement were directly hypocritical and contradictory to one another and it made ESPN look 10 times worse and it's just like take the L like it's time to just realize how stupid this was and back away quietly into the bushes stop continuing to try and over explain this because it's just making it worse because we all see through this like it got so it got so much play and deservedly so and then you know the usual suspects come out and they go after you completely I don't know how many articles I read from dopes yesterday <laughs> that were acting like you were the worst human being on the planet and it is- the worst human being it's, it's ridiculous yeah it's funny to me like how many? How often that happens? Like the usual suspects, ESPN gets their PR wheels spinning and they call people up and they're like, hey, can you go write awful things about Clay Travis? And you know what? Like I, I maybe am unique in this, but when people write awful things about me, I say thank you. Please may I have another, right? Because what I have learned is, and this is true everywhere, right? Um, if somebody writes a negative article about you, and let's say a thousand people, let's just use a thousand, or let's use a hundred because it rounds easily. Let's say a hundred people go read it. Maybe 65 of those people are going to have the same exact opinion as the writer, right? And they're going to be like, oh my God, Clay Travis is awful. Another 20 people are going to be like, eh, I don't really agree with the writer. I think Clay Travis is awesome. And probably at least 15 or 20, and you know, 15 would be the math here, have never heard of me. And they go read it, and they're like, "What? who is this guy, Clay Travis? Like, maybe I need to listen to his radio show. Maybe I need to start paying attention to him. 
and that repeats itself over and over and over again. And saying 65 people completely agree is probably wrong because at this point with me, it's very tribal. Like anytime somebody writes a negative article about me, in the comments, there are tons of you, and I appreciate that. A lot of you listening to this show right now who will go on and say, this isn't accurate. I listen to Clay Travis every day for three hours, and you're defining him in a way that isn't accurate, right? And so people will go on and defend me. But every one of those stories, which is negative, brings out more attention. And so it brings a bigger audience in for this show. I mean, it's not a coincidence. Like, you could talk to our affiliate sales guy, and he's like, oh, my God. The number of radio stations nationwide that are reaching out, asking if they can carry your show in the wake of all of this story with you being on Fox News, CNN, Headline News, like they're they're like, why don't we not why do we not have this guy Clay Travis on in the morning instead of Mike and Mike? Why does CBS Sports Radio even exist? Why are we using CBS Sports Radio at all? We're adding affiliates all over the country like crazy, and it's because People are watching those clips on Fox News, and they're watching, hearing some of the clips that are being shared by Fox Sports Radio. And because, frankly, a lot of you guys are blowing up people all over the country saying, why, why can I not get Clay Travis in my community? And the result is we're expanding quickly. But you're right. I mean, like, there were a lot of people out there who wrote awful things about me. And that happens every time I'm in the public eye in any way. I've just kind of gotten used to it, especially because you just pointed out, Jason, they're not really that fair, right? I mean, I feel no, like if anybody Lord, listens no. to the show for a week, if somebody who writes those articles was willing to listen to this show for 15 straight hours, right, and listen to it, like as many of you do who are out there listening right now on podcast or whatever else, you listen to everything we do for a week, and then you at least have a sense for what I'm actually like and what I'm about, right? Even read every article on OutKick. And uh, I, I just, you know, being defined in some way by people who don't like you as a caricature is sort of the the, the downside of being a public figure, but there is no downside in terms of expanding your audience because every time somebody writes a negative article, things just grow and get bigger. Yeah, it was just it's just amazing because of who it was and it was the usual people. And I don't think that they have processed what you just said yet, which is every time they mention you, you end up with another couple of thousand followers. And usually, yes, the people that go to those websites are the ones that are going to comment on those websites. But if they go on Twitter and try to link that stuff and you actually go through the comments – there are, the Outkick Army comes out in force for you, unlike anybody, I think, in sports media in terms of defending you because they feel the same way and they feel like they are the voiceless in this entire media landscape. So when they're sitting there on Twitter and they watch somebody that they agree with just getting absolutely pilloried and they feel like there's no actual evidence to back up what's being said, they come out strong. And I think that that is indicative of the kind of brand that not only you've built over the last however many years it is but also this show even since september the quality of the calls the quality of the tweets all of that people are becoming educated and they're finally saying you know what we don't have to take this crap anymore and they're actually standing up on the other side and that is why espn got dunked on like 700 times over the last few days and again they can't get out of their own way just shut up about it it's over just admit that you screwed up and back off. This was one of the dumb, like, I tweeted out yesterday, Clay, that how in the world can you have that slave auction story and that be the second dumbest thing that your company <laughs> did this month? Like, how is that even possible? Like, that should that should have covered you for a couple of years. It didn't even cover them for 14 days. It's so true. And, and I do think you, what you're hitting on is people out there now who are part of, of our audience, feel like when I get attacked, they get attacked because that's effectively what they're doing, right? When I get attacked, 
what they're and oftentimes they even put it in the article and all people who like clay travis are idiots and they're stupid and they're rednecks and they're not smart right i mean that's how people want to attack the outkick audience like it's it's a lot of times a left coast uh you know sorry east coast west coast like dynamic where they're like all those stupid people who live in the middle part of the country you know those people who like sec football and big 10 football and big 12 football oh they're all so stupid and i'm like that's pretty insulting right like um, and, uh, and as a result, I think people recognize that they're being attacked too. And so they take up arms and oftentimes just absolutely slay, um, ESPN and whoever the, the, the writers are in the process. Okay. We got to go to trending here. We're a little bit late, but I want, again, we've got a bunch of lines loaded. I'm going to go to your calls, eight seven seven nine nine six six three six nine right after we come back. But first, let's go to trending now. Live from the Geico Fox Sports Radio studios. Easy to save 15% or more on car insurance with Geico. Go to geico.com or call 800-947-AUTO. The only hard part, figuring out which way is easier. And with TrueCar, you can find out what other people in your area paid for the same car you're looking for and on average save over three grand off MSRP. Whether you're looking for a new or used car, visit TrueCar to enjoy a more confident car buying experience. All right, uh, open phone lines, 877-996-6369. Who should we go to first, Jason Martin? Well, let's go to North Carolina and speak with Titus. Titus in North Carolina. What's up, Titus? Uh, what's up, Clay? I just got a question for you. Uh, do you think the leakers within ESPN, uh, do you think their jobs are in jeopardy? Like ESPN is going to go in there and try to find out who they are and uh, get rid of them? Oh, that's, that's a, be that's a good a question. Um yeah, so people wonder how I got this story, and it came from inside of ESPN. It came from multiple people. I don't think they're in trouble at all. I mean, I think you guys would be stunned if you saw how often I communicate with people at ESPN. So I don't think there's any way ESPN could track it down. I mean, in any given month, I guarantee you I'm texting or DMing or emailing with 35 people who work at ESPN. And a lot of that has nothing to do necessarily with the political trajectory of ESPN. I just have a lot of really good friends at ESPN. And that's where, to the extent that, like, our feud has gotten ratcheted up, there are so many people at ESPN I, I really, really like. So I don't think they could find that in any way. I think they would look – like, let's assume that ESPN goes full nuclear on this and they're like, everybody give me your cell phones and we're going to check every company email and we're going to check every text message and everything else. Even if they did that, um, first of all, they wouldn't be able to tell because there's so many different people involved. And what are they going to do? They banned me from appearing on any ESPN shows. What are they going to do? Now ban ESPN people from being allowed to talk to me? Now, they won't allow ESPN people to come on this radio show now, right? Because I've got them so rattled. If I were them, I'm going to get honest, if I were John Skipper, this idiot president at ESPN who just took a shot at me, I would sue for peace at this point. I am beating their brains in. If I were him, I'd be like, we need to have a, a meeting and sue for peace. It needs to be like, like I, I just dropped, they need to be like the Japanese after World War II. Like, I've just dropped atomic bombs on Hiroshima and Nag- Nagasaki. I just rocked ESPN to its core. I, I basically think that I have permanently devalued their brand based on this decision going public for years ahead. If I were them, I would be like, okay, this is like Emperor Hirohito. We need to meet up. I'm I'm Truman. I'm America. I just dropped the bomb on these losers. They need to contact me and be like, we surrender. What can we do? They need to bend the knee in Game of Thrones terms. That would be what would be smart. I don't think they're smart enough to do it, but that's what they should do. Jeremy in St. Paul, Minnesota. What's up, Jeremy? Hey, how's it going? Um, I just checked my email. You never email me back. I don't email most people back. 
Uh, no, I work at ESPN. <laughs> oh, all right. Well, uh, I, I, good luck with that. This is a weird call. What are we going with, Jason Martin? What was his point? That, he was supposed to be talking about Robert Lee. He didn't mention anything about an email to me on the phone. Sometimes they lie. Let's go to Kansas City and talk to Justin. Justin, what's up in KC? Yeah, I just had a question. I was just confused on, you know, you mentioned how they protect Michael Sam and Kaepernick and, and uh, um, you know, Caitlin Bruce Jenner. Jenner and all these things. Yeah, Caitlyn Jenner now. Um, my question is, though, is, you know, they're, they're so hell-bent on, on protecting minorities and then they stomp one into the ground because you're basically making a ridicule of this Asian guy who you should just pretty much not even – you should just leave alone at that point. Um, yeah, you know what? It doesn't it's, make it's, any sense. It's a great point. I mean – Look, this Asian guy named Robert Lee, everybody out there, this is why this story is so insane. It seems like an onion headline. And this is why when I initially got tipped off, I didn't believe it was real because I was like, my God, did ESPN just groove me a hanging curveball right down the middle of the plate here? Because there's no way that they banned and removed an Asian guy named Robert Lee because his name was too similar to Robert E. Lee. Like people out there always say, you know what a bad argument is? a slippery slope argument. And if you're not familiar with a slippery slope argument, it actually applies now because every time it happens, like Donald Trump came out and said, okay, if we're going to take down Confederate statues, what's next? Thomas Jefferson and George Washington because they're also slave owners? And everybody's like, oh, that's crazy. Nobody's going to say that. And then what happens? The left wing in this country is like, we got to tear down the Washington Monument and the Lincoln Memorial and the Jefferson Memorial. Like people actually say that. That is a slippery slope argument. This Robert Lee thing is not even a slippery slope argument, though. It's like we're all the way down at the bottom of the slope. Robert Lee is like the guy who came down the whole slope and landed on the ground. Like, we're beyond a slippery slope argument when a guy's name. There are 11,000 Robert Lees in this country right now. If you are listening to this right now and you were named Robert Lee, you might as well just go jump off a building because ESPN is basically saying if you have the same name as somebody who was famous for something that we disagree with, even if it was hundreds of years ago, you're not allowed to do this. Like, is there anybody out there right now, even the most left-wing idiot on America, in America, that would have seen an Asian Robert Lee and thought, my God, I can't believe ESPN did this. This is just like Robert E. Lee, how insensitive and offensive of them. No, there's not anybody out there who would actually have that opinion. It's total insanity. Okay, we'll keep taking your calls. Uh, but first, I got to tell you, Dollar Shave Club is a smarter choice. Get a great shave at a great price, conveniently delivered right to your door. It's an awesome life hack and a no-brainer choice. You no longer have to schlep to the store to buy a cheap disposable razor that gave you a cheap shave or spend a fortune on razors with gimmicky shaving tech you don't need, you didn't need. And when I use my DSC Executive Razor with their Dr. Carver Shave Butter, the blade just gently glides, giving me such a smooth Shave. Did you see how great I looked other than the fact that Britt McHenry was so much better looking than me on Fox News? Do you see how great I looked? Because I was shaving with Dollar Shave Club razors. Their, and with their shave butter. Their Dr. Carver shave butter, transparent, more precise shave, helps prevent ingrown hairs and fights razor bumps. You too can make the smarter choice by joining Dollar Shave Club. For a limited time, new members get their first month of the executive razor with a tube of the Dr. Dr. Carver shaver butter for only $5 with free shipping. After that, razors are just a few bucks a month. That's a $15 value for only 5 bucks. In your first month box, you get an awesome weighty handle, a full cassette of four cartridges, and a tube of their shave butter. After your first month, replacement cartridges ship automatically at their regular price. There are no hidden fees, 
and no commitments. Cancel anytime you like. You can only get this offer exclusively at dollarshaveclub.com slash outkick. That's dollarshaveclub.com slash outkick. Welcome back in. Final segment, hour one. Thank you for joining us here on Outkick the Coverage on a Thursday as we get closer and closer to football actually blessedly being here. Well, the Geico play of the day, you know how humble I am. Kind of guy who hates to brag, hates to draw attention to himself. And that's why it's spectacular that I didn't even make this suggestion. Chase Martin suggested, you know what? You should be the Geico play of the day, responding to ESPN president John Skipper, who put out a statement full of lies last night. And I was on Tucker Carlson last night responding to John Skipper as that story broke, as his statement was released. ESPN's president telling lies about me. And so I decided to bring out my hacksaw Jim Duggan 2x4 and put it upside his face. And it sounded a little bit something like this. We'll be embarrassed Tucker, at this moment me, 20 years Let now. me respond really if quick, I can, because John Skipper yeah. took a shot at me, the president of yeah, ESPN. Yeah. I mean, look at this story. Everyone who came out said every reasonable person can see an Asian guy who's alive today and realize that it's not a dead Confederate general <laughs> from 1870. This is the yes. problem with ESPN and their leadership. They talk to us like we're a bunch of idiots and imbeciles and sell crap and expect us to see it and think, oh my God, how lucky we are that ESPN is treating us this way. This is not true. This is a lie. They, I want you to think about this, just everybody out there watching right now. ESPN is the most powerful sports media company in the world, all right? If they come to an employee who might make $75,000 a year and rarely ever gets to call college football games, and they say, hey, we're a little bit concerned because you have the same name as Robert E. Lee in Charlottesville. Do you really believe the guy making $75,000 a year makes the decision about whether or not he's going to call the game? Or like every employee sitting out there right now, when your rich bosses sit you down and say, hey, we've got a little concern. How about you do this instead? He did what the company wanted him to do, and now they're throwing him under the bus, claiming that they were afraid a few people would make fun of him during the game. Well, instead, they created a national story that has now lasted for multiple days with his name completely connected to Robert E. Lee. Again, if I were ESPN, I'd sue for peace. They just got Nagasaki and Hiroshima bombs dropped on them. They are dead. I'm looking at it right now. Somebody just tweeted me this. I'm not familiar. How often do you guys read the Daily Beast? I don't read the Daily Beast that often, um, but I talked to one of their uh, one of their leader, one of their writers, and they just put up late last night uh, that I just blew up ESPN. They they're doing a profile on me, and it's got me holding a baseball bat and ESPN as a pinata, and me like busting the pinata. And the opening sentence is on Tuesday, Clay Travis, a Fox Sports Radio host and owner of the site, outkick the coverage. Uh, I mean, it's 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 a it blew up ESPN basically. I haven't read the article, but the uh, the article is Clay Travis just blew up ESPN. That's the headline. So I don't read the Daily Beast. I'm sure that that'll get some review. I'm sure it won't all be positive. I'm sure a lot of it will be, oh, Clay Travis is an awful human being. But that's what happens every time I get an article written out there. The only awful human being on this show, I want to make it clear, is Justin Cooper because he is the one who has gone after Chick Fil A and he's gone after mainstream Americans for their love for Chick-fil-A. That's the only thing in a year's worth of shows that I've heard and actually gasped. Like, oh my God, do we have a unacceptable opinion on the show? Justin Cooper is the only person I think it's comfortable for all of you to lo- to, lo- uh, to hate. 
I mean, he's the only uh, truly detestable person associated with this show. And I'm not alone. I have been backed up, Clay. I'm sure you I saw, saw that Jeff stat. Schwartz. I was, I was disgusted. Yeah. <laughs> the state of California backed you up. It was like the most hated company in every state, and, and Chick-fil-A was the answer for the state of California. Because we know good food. You don't know much, bro. I'm going to Chick-fil-A, like, today. It's funny. Like, I've got my two-year-old um, this afternoon. Like, not even this afternoon. I got him by myself, like, uh, for several hours. And I've got to take him to lunch together. And I'm like, we're going to Chick-fil-A. That's the plan already. I mean, it's, you know, it's only 5.30 in the morning here. five Almost 6 a.m. here in the morning in Central Time Zone. And I'm like, oh, we're going to Chick-fil-A for lunch. He's still sleeping. He has no idea. He has no idea how perfect his day is going to be. He gets to go with Dad to Chick-fil-A. Take it, Justin Cooper, you awful human being. Again, a lot of people think I'm awful. Only person awful on this show is Justin Cooper for hating Chick-fil-A. Uh, we'll go to your calls, 877-996-6369. We'll pivot. We'll discuss the Kyrie Irving trade a little bit. We'll talk about the NFL. Blake Bortles out. Is he finished as the quarterback of the Jacksonville Jaguars? It certainly seems so. We'll talk about all that and more here on Fox Sports Radio. Coming to you live from the Geico Fox Sports Radio Studios. Hour two here on Outkick the Coverage in 15 minutes could save you 15% or more on car insurance. Visit geico.com for a free rate quote. Uh, appreciate all of you coming and hanging out with us. A couple of interesting stories out there. Blake Bortles benched. I've been on the anti-Blake Bortles train for a long time. We'll see whether or not Chad Henney is going to win the starting job down in Jacksonville. Brock Osweiler strangely being held out of the Cleveland Browns' third preseason game. Are they trying to trade him? Is the idea that Deshaun Kaiser may start the second-round draft pick out of Notre Dame actually legitimate? If so, it would mean that Kaiser may be the only quarterback to start among all of the early draftees. You've got Mitch Trubisky, who's looked very good in Chicago. You've got Deshaun Watson, who looked good in Week 1, not as good in Week 2 in the preseason. You've obviously got a situation in Kansas City where you would think Patrick Mahomes is going to sit behind the existing uh, and incumbent starter in uh, in Alex Smith. And so maybe Deshaun Kaiser is the guy who's most likely to start. We are unpacking what has been a wild couple of days. I was on CNN, Headline News, and Fox News for the second straight day last night. Lots to discuss there. We've got phone calls um, and uh, I'm going to take your calls here. At the bottom of the hour, we've got Rich Greenfield, who is a media analyst, and we're going to get his discussions about this situation and more. And then in hour three, assuming that it works out, we're scheduled to have my guy uh, Colin Cowherd come on for the uh, the final segment of the show. We'll see whether or not that ends up working out perfectly. Obviously, he is on the West Coast, and uh, and everything doesn't always go smoothly in the mornings there. And Later, you get to hear Dan Patrick, and then you get to hear Colin Cowherd after him. So it's part of why we have an incredible lineup of uh, radio shows here on Fox Sports Radio. I think the best collection of radio shows, to the credit of our bosses, Don Martin and Scott Shapiro, that has ever existed in the history of Sports Talk Radio. And certainly, affiliates, ad sales, and everybody out there in terms of the ratings reflect that that is, in fact, true because we're adding people left and right all day long. All right, let's go. Uh, who should we go to, Jason Martin? Who's up next? Uh, Lance in Nashville. Lance in Nashville. What's up, Lance? Yeah, Clay, good morning. Hope you're doing well. Just want to get your take on uh, what you thought Doug Adler, and more important, Doug Adler's attorney, thinks about the ESPN madness. Because i got to think that their defense is, oh, we're not overly PC. This guy's probably a racist. Let's let him go. Looks like they might be off. 
Yeah, you know, for people who don't know the Doug Adler story, we were on top of that. Doug Adler used the term gorilla effect during a Venus Williams match, and ESPN fired him, and he's been unable to get a job ever since. ESPN also allowed him to be publicly branded as a racist. Um, and uh, we covered that, and we were one of the only people in the media to cover that. And Doug actually called me last night after the Fox News appearance. I couldn't talk to him. Uh, Doug is a, is a good dude who has got a lawsuit right now pending against ESPN. Um, but uh, I think he's completely in the right. I mean, ESPN branded him a racist over something that wasn't wrong at all. He's used the phrase gorilla effect before for a variety of different players. Gorilla tennis is a common term. It was actually one of the most popular ad campaigns that Nike has ever done. If you remember that commercial where they brought out Pete Sampras and Andre Agassi and they played tennis in the streets, all that was a function of the gorilla effect of tennis. And so, um, you know, and again, gorilla meaning gorilla warfare as opposed to gorilla the animal. And so I think that's indicative, though, of the way that ESPN thinks. And I think Jason Martin said this well a while back. He said the most racist people out there are the one who see race in everything. And I think ESPN, and oftentimes those people, frankly, are very left-wing, right? The same people who watched Tom Brady, Rob Gronkowski, and Odell Beckham Jr. all be auctioned off at a fantasy football draft and then saw Odell Beckham Jr. and said, this reminds me of a slave draft, that's racist, in my opinion, right? If you see somebody getting auctioned in a fantasy football draft and it's a black dude and your first thought is, oh my God, that is racist, like I think you're probably the racist one. And ESPN, in responding and kowtowing to those critics, I think has gone so far left wing that again, this is how you end up in the Robert Lee situation where nobody because diversity of opinion doesn't exist in the executive ranks at ESPN, nobody stands up and says, wait a minute, are we really going to change a dude off of a football game, an Asian dude who's alive today because he shares the same name with a Confederate general who died in 1870? Like the idea that nobody stood up and made that argument, an argument that the vast majority of you with common sense across the country right now listening would have made, is indicative of how far left-wing ESPN has gone. Let's go to, who do we go to now, uh, Jason Martin? You think Nick in California? Yep, sounds good to me. What's up, Nick? Hey, uh, Clay, I I just got one thing to say. You know, you say you don't think uh, too many people or anybody would really see uh, Robert Lee hosting or or commentating on that game being racist or or whatnot. you got to remember your buddy uh, Talcum X out there still got a Twitter (laughs) and Instagram account. He would be the one to start something up. Yeah, look, there's no doubt, but what you have to do, and that's a great point, Talcum X, this guy, Sean King, he's a white guy who pretends he's black on Twitter. Um, he's the Rachel Dolezal of, uh, of, of social media. Um, you know, what you got to do is just, you got to delegitimize those guys. You got to be like, hey, this guy's a loser. Instead, when he demands an apology, and people of his ilk demand an apology for a fantasy football auction, which featured white guys like Tom Brady and Rob Gronkowski, and also black guys like Odell Beckham Jr., you got to just put them in their place. You got to say, sorry, you're completely an idiot instead of kowtowing to them and apologizing. That's just the truth. That's what should have happened. Didn't happen. It's what should have happened. Elliot in Pennsylvania. What's up, Elliot? Hey, what's up, Clay? How you doing? Excellent. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, you kind of touched on this. You know, we talk about, you know, in the world, it's kind of an accepted rule that if you're a really jealous person, you're always worried about cheating. Usually you're the cheater. Yeah. Well, for the same token, just like you know, ESPN, they're out thinking racism. They're so worried about racism. Couldn't I argue that they're the most racist establishment in America? Yeah, I think you could. Thank you for the call. I think you could. 
I think that if you are obsessed, like people say, oh, Clay Travis, you're racist or sexist or you're a homophobe or you're a transphobe or whatever, you know, ick or, or ism is popular right now. If I thought I was any of those things, do you think that I would be as aggressive talking out as I, as I am? Like, right. I mean, internally, if I was like, man, I think I might be sexist. You think I would come out and aggressively say all the things that I say? If I thought I was racist, do you think that I would come out and be as aggressive talking about racial issues as I am? I'm confident that I'm a jerk to everybody and that I treat everybody the exact same, right? I think that's as much as you can be. Like, whether you're black, brown, white, whatever color you are, yellow, or whatever ethnicity you are, or whatever religion you are, I treat everybody the exact same, like crap. And so that's as fair as I can be. That's as equitable as I can possibly be. I'm going to treat you all the exact same. And uh, some people want preferential treatment. Some people are like, well, you're not considering my feelings, Clay. I'm like, you're a grown-ass man or woman. Why should I be concerned with your feelings? The only people whose feelings I care about on a day-to-day basis are my wife and my three kids. Because that's the only people I'm responsible for. It makes me feel awful if my three kids are upset about something, right? Just like any parent. And I know my wife's not going to sleep with me if she's upset with me, so that makes me feel awful too. Only people I'm responsible for, those four. Now, I like the fact that other family members and friends like me, right? I don't want them to hate me, but I'm not responsible for how they feel. I have almost no control. One of the things you need to learn in life is that you can't control how somebody else feels, by and large. It's a lesson I wish I had learned earlier. A lot of time you spend out there with drama, worried about somebody else. Why are they feeling this way? What can I do to make them feel better? You can't control how somebody else feels. All you can worry about is yourself. And I feel like most of the time, people don't worry about themselves enough and they worry about other people too much. It's like, if you are convinced that the world is fundamentally racist, right? Like if you're out there right now and you're going to work and you're like, man, white people hate me then you have allowed racism to dominate you, right? You're getting dunked on by racism because you're allowing white people or Asian people or Hispanic people or black people, whoever you're racist against, to control your success or failure. It's like I told people the other day, I said, you need to read two books. I said this on my show the other day. If you want to be smarter than 99% of the people in America and understand our country's history better than just about anybody, I want you to read a Civil War Narrative by Shelby Foote, and I want you to read The Civil Rights Trilogy by Taylor Branch. Six books, it's long, probably take you a year to read all six, but at the end of that year, you would emerge understanding American history better than 99% of the people in the country. Now, I know it's not in vogue to say read, I'm telling you to read those books, all right, those six books. And if you read those six books, in particular the Civil Rights books, what you would learn is that the goal of the Civil Rights Movement and all the people involved in it, was not to be equal to white people. The civil rights protesters wanted to be better than white people. You hear it all the time in their protest. We got to be better than white people. The whole idea of nonviolent protest was, we are going to expose the racism of the South by standing up to it, not with violence. We're not going to show up like they did in Charlottesville and create a fight and create an awful scene by combating Nazis and racists in the KKK, we are going to show up and be so noble that we're going to allow these guys to beat the crap out of us. We're going to let them pull out fire hoses. We're going to let them hit us in the head with billy clubs. 
We are going to take their beating and do nothing. One of the most powerful moments in Martin Luther King's career was he was standing in a church vestry speaking and an angry, virulent KKK member walked up and punched him right in the face as hard as he could. Knocked Martin Luther King down. What did he do? He stood back up and started to talk again. Now, Martin Luther King took the nonviolent protest idea from Gandhi in India as you read those books and as you study it, but that's what actually won the day in the civil rights movement. It was that the protesters contrasted their nobility, their willingness to suffer the slings and arrows of outrageous fortune, the beatdowns that they received, and turned the other cheek and look that disconnect when people watched it on television and saw the pictures of Bull Connor and the dogs in Birmingham, of fire hoses, of the Edmund Pettus Bridge, of everything that happened in that era, was the contrast. The civil rights movement protesters were better than the people who were trying to stop them from protesting. Somewhere along the way, that goal has been lost. And that goal of the civil rights protesters was actually a quintessential American goal, which translates through sports and throughout our nation's history. Ultimately, if you define capitalism, what is it? It's the quest to be better, right? Every single one of you out there right now on the road to work or on the road to school or on the road to wherever you're going is trying to be better than you were the day before. And if you can do that, That's also the lessons that you learn from sports, right? If you're a kid and you're growing up, what do you learn? I'm responsible for me. If I take care of myself, then my team gets better. It's a quintessentially capitalistic idea, right? I'm going to go out and make the next Google. I'm going to create the next Facebook. It's not a coincidence that America creates Google, Facebook, Apple, and the rest of the world follows. We're a nation of fearless risk takers. Well, if you're sitting around out there right now like, oh, I would, do, I would do something, but the man is holding me down. You're giving the racist control over your life. You're not following in the legacy of the civil rights movement. You are not trying to be better. You're curled up in the fetal position making excuses. And that's common today. That's common today for a lot of people out there. It's 2017. Do you know what the highest earning ethnic group in America is today? Asian men. Asian men, on average, make more money in America today than any group of people in the world. If America was a fundamentally racist country, how in the world can you explain to me that Asian men are the highest earning group of any ethnicity in America today? That would be almost impossible to explain away, wouldn't it? If this were a fundamentally racist country, how in the world would that be true? Further, you know who the most successful black people in this country are today? Immigrants. People coming in from African countries now and arriving on the shores of America. They come in here and start kicking ass almost immediately. Do you know why? Because when you come from Africa today, or from Asia, or from any other country, you get here and you say, my God, the opportunity available to me is extraordinary in this country today. 
And they don't sit around and whine about people trying to hold them down. They hit the ground running and try to be better every single day. That's why I'm a big proponent of immigration. People say, oh, we need less immigrants. I think we need more. Those guys show up here, and they work their asses off, and they take advantage of the opportunities here. They don't lay around in the fetal position whining all day. They actually are the most American of all of us. I wish that we could provide the tenets. The reason why I think sports is so important in this country is because it's the connective fabric that unites us, but also because sports is essentially about the American dream. That if you work hard enough and you put in the time and you don't blame anybody else, that you will succeed. Jason Whitlock said this before. No locker room is liberal in America. When you lose a game, if you're a team that's any good, you don't come in the locker room and immediately say, man, those refs were against us. You look internal and say, what could I do to get better? If you lose a game to a hated rival, what's the first thing you think when you get into the locker room? Damn, why do we lose that game? What can we do in this locker room to get better? I got to rely on my own two hands, two feet, my own brain, figure out a solution here. That is America. That's how Google happens. That's how Facebook happens. It's because people look around and say, damn, can't nobody stop me now. That's what the civil rights movement was about. Be better. It was a quintessentially American movement. Now people aren't trying to be better. They're trying to blame more. Think about what happens now. All these people out protesting, what are they doing? They're blaming somebody for what happened to them. They're not trying to be better than the people they disagree with. They're trying to blame the people they disagree with. It's a simple slogan, but it carries so much weight, and it ultimately underlines the fabric of everything that has happened in this country. Every single day, be better. 877-996-6369. Your call is coming up next here on Fox Sports Radio. But first, I got to tell you all about my friends somewhere. And I will know it. For many businesses, hiring's tough, which makes it critical to choose the right place to post your jobs. You need qualified candidates fast and on budget. And you don't want to sign a long-term contract or pay upfront fees. That's why you need Indeed.com, the world's number one job site. Independent research shows Indeed delivers six times more hires than any other job site. You can post a job in minutes and even set up screener questions to help you zero in on qualified candidates. You can review applicants, take notes, and schedule interviews all from an easy-to-use online dashboard. For a limited time, Indeed is offering new users a $50 credit to make their first job listing a sponsored job with premium visibility so more candidates will see it. You want to make a great hire fast, and this exclusive offer gives you a head start. Find out why over 3 million businesses use Indeed for hiring. To redeem this offer, go to Indeed.com slash credit. That's Indeed slash cre- Indeed.com slash credit. Terms, conditions, and quality standards apply. If your check engine light comes on, head to AutoZone. Their fix finder tool can check it on the spot for free. Get in the zone, AutoZone. And with TrueCar, you can find out what other people in your area paid for the same car you're looking for and on average save over three grand off MSRP. Whether you're looking for a new or used car, visit TrueCar to enjoy a more confident car buying experience. We're going to be joined by Rich uh, Greenfield right on the uh, at the bottom of this hour. He is a uh, stock market analyst who uh, does great research into sports media 
and kind of what's coming when you hear about you know the, the the rights fees and cord cutting and basically how all of this business apparatus is going to impact the overall fan experience in the future. I think you guys are going to love him, and he's just a few minutes from now. Obviously, I just gave a great sermon. I'd encourage you to go download the podcast. You can play that for your team or your kids as they try to start their day. Basically, underlying theme there, DBAP, don't be a pussy willow, and also sack up. Sack the F up. That's kind of my uh, my slogan. Take care of yourself, and everything else will follow. Bring in the crew here. Let's quickly get a, a vote here. Do you think Blake Bortles' time, because I think this is the most intriguing story as we come into week three of the NFL preseason, do you think Blake Bortles' time as a starter is done in Jacksonville? I'll start with you, Jason Martin. Fully done. I'm not saying he doesn't get back out onto the field, but his yeah, he's pretty much toast at this point. He won in life. We've seen he won in life, but in terms of football in Jacksonville, it does seem to be a wrap on that. That's just a terrible situation all the way around. Because of how bad it is underneath him, I can't say he's not going to get back into a starting role, but in terms of him starting this season, I don't know. Not going to happen. And what's wild about this, if, the, if that's true, and I agree with you, 2014 quarterback class, Derek Carr has become a stud. The Raiders have got a great quarterback. He was the first quarterback taken, I think, in the second round, Derek Carr. But we don't know about Jimmy Garoppolo. Every other quarterback now in that class has busted. Uh, Blake Bortles, I believe, was the number three overall pick to Jacksonville. Looks like he's done. Johnny Manziel, 22 to the Cleveland Browns. We'll see what happens. We talked to Johnny, and I think we're going to have Johnny on the show regularly in the fall. We'll see whether he ends up getting another chance in the NFL. If not, then he's finished. And you run all the way through that list, as we've done on this show before. Garoppolo, the verdict is still out. We'll see how good or bad he is going to end up being because he's sitting behind Tom Brady still. Derek Carr is going to be really good. Otherwise, there's not a lot of success in that group. What do you guys think out in L.A.? Do you think Blake Bortles is done, Danny G and Justin? Yeah, a couple of weeks ago, remember you asked us after preseason game one for our overreaction. Yes. And I I bragged about how the Jag, Jags beat the Patriots. Chad Henney should be the starter, and I stand by that. I mean, you might as well just go all in with Henney at this point. They're not going to win that many games, so hopefully they'll get Sam Darnold. Yeah, I mean, look, the Sam Darnold sweepstakes, the Josh Rosen sweepstakes. For those out there tonight, we've got the Dolphins against the Eagles. Jay Cutler gets an opportunity to demonstrate whether or not he's going to be any kind of success story for the Miami team this year. And uh, then the Panthers and the Jags. And obviously, we're talking about the Jags because they are starting Chad Henney. That is the news. Justin, what do you think? Yeah, I I think he's definitely done. And it it probably came half a season too late. And one reason they may not play him, it's going to be somewhat similar potentially to the RG3 situation where if he gets injured, they might have to pick up his entire option for year five. And so remember how they the, basically the Redskins put RG3 on ice because they didn't want to risk getting that fifth-year option if he got injured and they had to pick it up? I think there's a possibility that the Jags are going to be, have to make the same decision with Blake Bortles. Financially, I believe they would owe him $19 million in year five if they pick up his option and there's no way they're going to want to pay him $19 million. So in an ideal world, I think the Jags, from a, from a business perspective, would give the reins to Chad Henney, let him play this entire year. If things don't go well, maybe Chad Henney has a good year, okay? But if things don't go well, then you're in the mix for Sam Darnold, Josh Rosen, the Allen kid out of Wyoming, and potentially can make a run because there's a lot of good talent 
in Jacksonville other than the quarterback position potentially can make a run at Kirk Cousins because Kirk Cousins is going to be a free agent, be open for a lot of teams out there to make a run at him and pay him $27, $28 million a year. Maybe Jacksonville is the team he considers. Who knows? Uh, We'll talk about uh, that maybe a little bit later here, but right now let's go to trending, and then on the flip side, we're going to talk to Rich Greenfield. I think you guys are going to love this conversation. Let's find out what's trending now. Live from the Geico Fox Sports Radio studios, easy to save 15% or more on car insurance with Geico. Go to geico.com or call 800-947-AUTO. The only hard part, figuring out which way is easier. We are joined now by Rich Greenfield. Rich is a uh, is an interesting guy. He is a analyst who c- covers the, uh, the the media industry. His bio on Twitter, you can find him there at Rich BTIG, is that he is a media futurist, BTIG TMT analyst, former Goldman Sachs, Polly Fulcrum. Uh, Rich, give me your background there. For people out there right now who may not be familiar with you, how would you describe yourself? Look, our day job is figuring out whether media stocks, and I use the word media pretty broadly because we're talking for everything from Disney uh, and Fox all the way across to things like Netflix, Facebook, Snapchat, and Twitter. We're trying to figure out whether these companies are going up or down. So we do buy, sell, and hold recommendations effectively on media and technology stocks. Uh, and along the way, you know, it's hard to do that without trying to think about where the future of media is going, how, you know, private companies, remember when Snapchat was a private company, you know, how all these companies are going to disrupt the, the kind of what I call the legacy media world. And so we spend a lot of time thinking about the future of media. And, of course, you can't talk about media, Clay, as you know, without talking about sports media. There's no doubt, and I appreciate you joining us. I've been reading your stuff and following you for a while, and a lot of people overlap us because I try and think about where media is going as well uh, with what I do because I've got to figure out where my audience is going to be. So I'll start with this question. Which media companies right now, and you just said you define media broadly, are you most favorably disposed towards? Like who do you like right now and think, man, these companies are in fantastic spots? Well, look, I I think it's hard not to look at what Netflix has done. I mean, when you think about the fact that Four and a half years ago, House of Cards didn't even exist. And now there is a, you know, uh, a backlog of shows that you, your family, your friends want to watch just four and a half years later. It's, it's pretty amazing how fast they've built the juggernaut of original programming. I mean, I'm like, I think, eight episodes through, through um, Ozarks. I mean, there is just so much to watch. So I think when you look at the the trajectory. I mean, Netflix is at 100 million subscribers. There doesn't seem to be much that's going to prevent them over the next several years from, you know, growing dramatically larger than that. Uh, And that's, you know, that's, uh, I think, a company that when you look at it, where there's really this virtuous cycle, meaning they create more content, that content attracts subscribers, uh, or consumers watch it more, people want to keep the service more, they talk about it more with their friends, more subscribers means they can spend even more on content. So it's a virtuous circle that's really driving significant growth for the company. I think it's why the stock has done so well. And then, of course, it's hard when you talk about media broadly to not talk about Facebook just because I've never seen a company grow the way Facebook has grown. And when you talk Facebook, you're not just talking Facebook. You're talking Facebook and Instagram uh, and WhatsApp. And, you know, I, look, I think one of the big questions we have is, you know, when you think about sports media, how many of these companies will ultimately be bidders for sports rights? Because I think that's really the biggest question facing sports as you look out over the next, call it four to five years, is will we see new bidders because the TV ecosystem is so troubled? 
And what do you think is going to happen? The Amazons, the Netflixes, the uh, the Facebooks of the world out there, Apple even, do you think they're going to get involved in sports, original sports content? Well, you know, let's be let's like maybe start from the beginning, right? And the standpoint of these companies weren't even doing original TV-like programming not too long ago. Uh, Amazon started, you know, a little after Netflix. Uh, Apple's just hiring a team now. They've come out with their first two shows this summer. I don't think, you know, my guess is your audience isn't clamoring to watch either of those shows. Uh, it's early days, but they just hired a, a real TV production team. They've been building out that team. I think, you know, step one for Apple is get into the original, uh, what I would call TV film creation business. But I'd be shocked if they didn't move forward and move up into sports uh, over time. Facebook's obviously already dabbling in sports. They just announced a deal for some college sports streaming yesterday. Uh, and I think, you know, the, the, big, the big beast out there that everyone should be keeping all of their eyes and attention on is Amazon. Because so I think Amazon is very serious about sports. They have a massive bundle. I mean, there's no doubt in my mind by the time Monday Night Football, uh, when it comes time to renew Monday Night Football in 2021, uh, you know, ESPN's current deal ends at that point. There's no doubt in my mind that Amazon's going to have more subscribers in the U.S. to Amazon Prime than ESPN has in the U.S. to its service. And so Amazon's going to be a force to be reckoned with, and everybody in the sports business should be looking and also hoping that Amazon becomes a serious bidder. You mentioned that sport, uh, that that Monday Night Football package. To me, that is a great litmus test for where the future is going to be. Right now, ESPN is paying around $1.9 billion. That's billion with a B. Now, that also includes subsidiary programming surrounding Monday Night Football. But their business is declining rapidly, and we'll get to that in a minute. But that Monday Night Football package, what do you think is going to end up happening there? How much is it going to sell for? Like, if you were right now trying to project, the NFL obviously is going to want as much money as they possibly can get. That package comes up before anything else comes up. How much more money can the NFL get off of that Monday Night Football package, or have they kind of tapped out? Where do you think the value lies? Well, you're going to get two earlier signs, to be fair. One, remember, the deal they have for Thursday Night Football that right now goes to Correct. CBS, NBC, and Amazon for the digital-only rights, that's only a one-year deal. So it's possible that a year from now, Amazon or Apple or Facebook bids for exclusivity, not just online exclusivity, but all exclusivity uh, across all platforms, for Thursday Night Football. So I would keep an eye on what happens with Thursday Night Football for the 2018-2019 season. That could be a really good early indicator of where things are going. The other one to keep an eye on um, for your audience is in 2019, there's an early exit option that the NFL has to take the Sunday ticket package away from AT&T DirecTV, and they could either use it themselves or they could shop it to somebody else. They may just leave it, and let the contract run out over the next few years. But they could decide to move it to a digital player earlier um, for the 2020 season if they wanted to. Uh, when I think about 2021 uh, for Monday Night Football, I mean, look, I, I think in terms of what that billion, nine, two-ish billion dollars, let's just say that ESPN's paying now, what happens to it, it's a really good question. You know, if there's only – I don't think there's any question – that a company like ESPN with falling subscribers, struggling ratings, nobody watching SportsCenter the way they used to, I don't think they're in a position 
to pay dramatically more. In fact, they sh- you know financially they need to pay less. But you know who knows if that's even an option. The how much more that contract could go for probably depends on whether Amazon's bidding against Apple. You know, if it's just Amazon against Disney, I'm not sure that contract goes for dramatically more. If it's Amazon bidding against, you know, Apple, Google, Facebook, maybe this, you know, these companies have the ability to spend $3 billion on Monday Night Football. I mean, there's, there's really no ceiling to what they could pay. These are companies with, you know, hundred, you know, far, far larger than You're any You're talking about the company. tech companies, yeah, by these far. tech companies are huge. I mean, Apple has enough cash, just to be clear. Apple has enough cash where they could buy Disney for cash on hand. Yeah, that's an amazing statistic. That's an amazing statistic. So, yeah, and people don't talk enough about that, I don't believe. Like, the size of these companies, I'm looking at the market cap right now. If you're driving around in your car right now, I think some of you have probably not even paid attention to this, but you were mentioning Netflix earlier. Netflix right now is right at $73 billion as a market cap. Fox is $50 billion. So Netflix is bigger than 21st Century Fox. Um, And Facebook now is at nearly 500 billion and what you just mentioned Apple Apple's market cap is near is approaching a trillion dollars they're at 826 tr- uh, billion dollars and you just said a stat that's amazing with the cash that they have on hand right now they could buy Disney I mean that's an amazing stat that I don't think most people out there realize in terms of how much bigger these tech companies are by and large than the traditional media companies we think of or, or pull up CBS. I mean, there are, you know, they have the AFC package. I mean, CBS is a $26 billion company. I mean, CBS relative to Apple or Facebook looks like a pimple. No, it's 100% so, true. Can so you come back with right. us one more segment after this break if we call you back to finish out the hour? I'm around. You let me know. Oh, yeah, perfect. Because I want to get to you about ESPN and what you think the future of that network is. Rich Greenfield, this is fan- fascinating stuff. You can follow him on Twitter at Rich uh, underscore BTIG, I think. I'll give that for you correctly, 100%. Uh, at Rich BTIG. There's no uh, underscore there. We'll come back with him, finish out the hour. I think you guys are going to love the, the final conversation we're going to have here on Fox Sports Radio. We're talking to Rich Greenfield from BTIG. And I got to tell you, what does it mean when Geico says just 15 minutes could save you 15% or more on car insurance? It means you probably should have gone to Geico.com 15 minutes ago. Rich, ESPN, about five or six years ago, had over 100 million subscribers. Now they have 87 million subscribers. They're adding a direct-to-consumer option, so-called OTT or over-the-top option. What do you think about ESPN's future, and how does that impact your opinion of Disney? Look, ESPN is really the the weight dragging down Disney. They're, you know, the, the the bottom line is that they they've basically they've never seen a sports right. You know, I think John Skipper has really made some big strategic mistakes. He's just bought every sports right, paid more and more money. You know, he paid well over a hundred percent increase for the NBA rights, while his revenues, meaning the amount of money they generate uh, every single month from subscribers uh, and from advertisers is weakening you know they're losing subscribers advertising is struggling i mean people are you know i don't know about you clay but watching sports center is something i used to do every day growing up as a kid and you know doubt you know you look at kids today and it's just sports center sports center happens on twitter all day long um it doesn't happen on espn when you get home at you know six o'clock let alone watching van pelt at midnight um and so ratings are, are struggling advertising struggling and yet they've spent a ton on, on sports rights. And so, you know, ESPN is just no longer a growth 
business, and it's really dragging Disney down. It scares investors. It's really kept a lid on Disney's stock price. Uh, and I think, you know, the direct-to-consumer product, which you mentioned, they are launching later this year. Actually, early next year, they're going to be launching it. But the problem with it is it's not going to have Monday Night Football. It's not going to have the NBA games. It's going to have a lot of, you know, kind of tertiary product. I don't, if you ever watch the ESPN3 content that you could get within the Watch ESPN app, some of that's now going to be in there. So instead of being free, you're going to pay extra for it. Um, or they're going to try to get you to pay extra for it. But I think it's going to be a very tough sale. It's going to be a very niche product for a diehard sports fan that has to have everything. But you're, going to, you're probably going to see a lot of MLB games that are not your local games but national games. You're going to see some tertiary college sports games. But it's not going to be the great stuff that you see on television, whether we're talking ESPN or the SEC Network. All of that content is sticking with television. How would you handle ESPN's declining subscriber numbers and their challenges, in particular that NBA contract you mentioned, which I think is going to be a hindrance for years and years to come? They drastically overpaid for that league. What would you do if you were the head, if you were John Skipper at ESPN? How would you write the ship? Well, look, I think John's got to figure out. First of all, I think John Skipper's probably the wrong person. I mean, I think he's made enough strategic mistakes where I think new management, a fresh approach would probably be really helpful to the future of ESPN. But um, I think, you know, the strategically, the right move is how do you get ESPN relevant on literally on a mobile device? Because that's what we're really talking about. The, the most personal device to all of your listeners today, the thing that they're using more and more every day is their phone. And so ESPN, how do you get it relevant? And I think of sports talk radio, basically what we're doing right now, sports talk radio is Twitter today. And so we've thought it made a lot of sense. If, if ESPN Disney were to own Twitter, and you yeah. can think about a live 24-7 conversation going on, you know, no more sports center on TV. Nobody cares about watching linear TV. But imagine if sports center and news, news audio video was playing out 24-7 within Twitter. That would be really interesting for Disney. I don't know if they have the guts to do a transaction like that. But to me, what ESPN used to have when you would watch it for not just highlights but also conversation around sports, that's happening. It's just not happening on ESPN. It, it, it lives and breathes on Twitter all day long, which is where I know you and I um, you know, are actively all the time. But Disney's got to figure out a way to get ESPN relevant on mobile devices, plain and simple. Who do you love right now? You mentioned some companies that are big. Who do you think is strategically really smart in the sports arena? Who's doing a great job of getting their product out there for a modern consumer? Well, look, I think they're much smaller businesses, but they're disruptive, right? So, you know, I don't think a Bleacher Report or a Barstool Sports are ever going to be the size of ESPN. You know, the reality is 100 million people, as you mentioned, paying for ESPN eight dollars a month whether they watch it or not and most didn't watch it most didn't care about it but they paid it as part of the bundle espn was over earning for a long time they'll never play be a business as good as espn used to be but there's a lot of room for disruptors who understand social who understand mobile and i think when you look at companies like bleacher report when you look at what you know think of house of highlights i mean they're doing it they're crushing it on instagram you know, look at a, a um, you know, look at what Barstool's done in, in terms of building a real cult. You know, still more of an East Coast, middle of the country versus West Coast brand, but you know, the team's trying to expand that nationally. You know, they're building new sports media brands, um, literally on the backs of social media. And I think it, it's really 
problematic for ESPN because they're not as nimble and fast as these companies. They don't understand engagement on social the way those companies do. And so, uh, you know, they're just going to take market share and time spent away from ESPN, and they're going to be an ongoing bigger and bigger problem for them. Outstanding stuff, Rich. We need to get you on more frequently. I know a lot of people are loving this. At Rich BTIG, I believe. I'm going to give it out his Twitter handle here as we move forward. Got a hard out, but Rich Greenfield, absolutely fantastic. He's at Rich BTIG. I'm Clay Travis on Twitter. We'll be up next, final hour of Thursday, kicking off in moments on Fox Sports Radio. Live from the Geico, Fox Sports Radio Studios. 15 minutes could save you 15% or more on car insurance. Visit geico.com for a free rate quote. Appreciate all of you spending your Thursday morning with us. Man, I thought Rich Greenfield was just fantastic there. One of the things that, and, and if you're just getting in your car, you're just waking up and you missed him, you need to go download the podcast. You can obviously find that on iTunes and uh, just search the term OutKick, and you'll find it. You'll subscribe. You'll be able to go back and listen. Um, Rich is a, uh, as he calls himself, a media futurist, which good luck with that because the media is evolving so quickly it's hard to know what's coming next. But I think as a smart fan that more will change in the next five years in terms of how we consume sports than may well have happened in the previous 20 years. And that's because everything in technology is evolving so quickly. And Rich was, I think, prescient in a lot of the details that he's talking about in terms of the sports rights fees. And, man, uh, seeing what is going to happen to me with this Monday Night Football package is going to give us a real good sense for what the NFL is going to do going forward. And to me, the NFL's big decision, I've been saying this for a while, to me, the NFL's big decision, which he also hit on, is what do they do about that NFL direct tic- direct TV Sunday ticket package? I love the idea of the NFL being able to put every game on simultaneously everywhere. And I've made this analogy a few times. You guys may have heard me talk about this. If you are a big college basketball fan, then you remember back when the NCAA tournament was just kind of getting underway. And you would put it on television, that opening Thursday and Friday, the best two days, I think, of sports in this country. And starting at noon Eastern, there are games going on everywhere. And I've told you this before, and I'll continue to say it. If it's not on your bucket list at the very top, being in Las Vegas in a sports book for the Thursday and Friday of the NCAA tournament is one of the most fun things that a sports fan can do. And I know we're on in Vegas. I know we're on in the West Coast for a lot of people who are close. And I bet a lot of you guys and girls have done that. But we're also on all over the East Coast. And if you haven't made that trip, put it on your list. But what is great about the NCAA tournament is nowadays you can watch every game inside of your own home. And that was controversial a few years ago when Turner and CBS combined to win the rights to the NCAA tournament auction. And what they decided then, and I think it was a really smart move by both Turner and CBS, was they said, you know what? We're not going to do the same broadcast that we've done old school-wise. And if you remember this, it wasn't that many years ago, CBS had every game. And you were only able to watch whatever your regional game happened to be. And you would have to go get the newspaper or you would go online and you would pull it up and you'd be like, crap, I'm not going to get to watch my favorite team, right? It was a regional broadcast. So if you lived in New York City, you're going to get St. John's. 
And if you lived in Miami, you're going to get the Hurricanes. And if you lived in L.A., you're going to get UCLA, right? All over the country, you got the team close to you geographically. Now, that's great for a lot of people in those geographic regions. That's why they put the regional telecast on with the local teams because, by and large, local teams are the most popular in a local market. But it's not true for everybody. Like, I went to George Washington University. Nobody goes to GW, right? We're a relatively small school. Great place in Washington, D.C. Awesome place to go to school. They gave me a scholarship. I came up there, graduated in three years, really enjoyed my time there, okay? But nobody cares about GW basketball but, like, me and, like, 5,000 people in the whole country, right? But when GW made the NCAA tournament, I wanted to make sure I was going to be able to watch my alma mater's game. And so I'd have to go out to a sports bar to go watch it because obviously GW is never going to be on wherever I was living, right? Even in D.C. Only if you lived in D.C. would you get that game. And frankly, if Georgetown or UVA or Virginia Tech or Maryland for sure were playing, then you might not even get the GW game if they put them head-to-head. You'd be like, oh, we're not even on in our local market. So a lot of you out there who are fans of teams that may not be massive know that feeling. And so you'd have to go out to a sports bar. And you'd roll into a sports bar. You might or might not be able to hear it. You'd have to sit in front of that screen. You'd buy some drinks, everything else. It was an antiquated way to watch sports. And then CBS and Turner signed this new deal. And they said, hey, we got this new idea. We're going to put the games on True TV. We're going to put the games on TBS, TNT, and CBS. We're going to put every game on so your average cable watcher, cable viewer can see it. And you know what happened? People said, oh, if you do that, ratings are going to tank. You're going to dilute the audience. What was happened was fascinating. Audience actually skyrocketed. Because fans wanted to be able to sit in their house and have control over what game they watched. Remember, if you were sitting on CBS back in the day and they had a buzzer beater, they would try to cut to it for like the final 30 seconds or one minute of the game. But nowadays, you can sit in front of your screen and they have the constant scores up in the right side of the screen and you can just go switch. You'd be like, man, this game I'm watching on CBS sucks. I'm going to put it on TBS. That game's a lot closer. And nowadays, if you go back in time and you think, man, I used to have to go out to a sports bar to watch every NCAA tournament game that I wanted to watch, you would say that was crazy and antiquated. Well, I think the NFL's in a similar spot right now. I really do. Because I think it's crazy that for a lot of you all over the country right now listening to me, you can watch your local team right? Your regional local team can come on. If you're out there right now in San Francisco, you're going to get the Raiders and you're going to get the 49ers, right? You're going to get your local team. But what if you live in San Francisco right now and you are a huge Houston Texans fan? How in the world are you going to get that game? You got to go out to a sports bar. That's just like the NCAA tournament. It doesn't make any sense. I think what the NFL should do and this is my biggest issue with the NFL in general, is they need to put, just like the NCAA tournament did, they need to put every one of their games on cable, broadcast, everywhere. So you should be able to choose at 1 o'clock Eastern when toe meets leather all over the country and so many NFL games kick off, whatever it is, eight or nine games, seven, eight, nine games kick off simultaneously. All of those games need to be on at the same time. And you should be able to say, okay, I want to watch X game and click it on FS1. I want to watch 
this game, watch it on ESPN2 or CBS Sports Network or the NBC Sports Network. You should be able to watch, in my opinion, every fan should be able to watch every NFL game if they want to. Now, some of you right now are like, what about Red Zone? Well, Red Zone's great. I watch it. I've got Comcast in my house. I watch the Red Zone. But the Red Zone has so many games to cover that it's hard to keep tabs on your favorite team, and you might only see a few plays of it. You should be able to easily watch every NFL game, just like, frankly, you can watch pretty much every college football game. This is one area where college football dunks on the NFL. College football every Saturday, and starting this Saturday, I can wake up, and I do this, much to the chagrin of my wife, at 11 a.m. I put on games, and I watch games from 11 a.m. to 2 a.m. in college football. It's my favorite sport. I watch every college football game, basically, that goes on all day long. I had what I think is the greatest job ever with uh, Fox Sports for three years, where my job was to come in and sit in front of a bank of 10 television screens and watch every college football game going on with like an awesome crew of people, right? Now, I took this radio show, so I don't get to do that job anymore. But I'd sit there with Matt Leiner, Joel Klatt, Stuart Mandel, Bruce Feldman, Dave Wanstead, Rob Stone, incredibly awesome group of people, George Reister, Lindsey Theory, all the people that we did college football with, Aaron Andrews, Eddie George, Mike Pereira. You know how awesome that gig is? Mike Pereira, the NFL expert on Fox, he does college football too. And anytime there was a dispute, Mike would come in, look at a play, and be like, yeah, they're going to rule X. The guy is better at his job than anybody else in sports media, Mike Pereira. I mean, you don't know how hard it is to look at every play, immediately diagnose every complicated decision, and nail it. That's how good Mike Pereira is is at his job. Just sitting there absolutely nailing every one of those situations. Should also mention Petros Papadakis. Awesome crew of people. Right? Just an awesome crew of people to get to watch college football games with. And we would just sit there and we'd watch 10 games go on. And we'd be like, oh, what game are we going to put in the middle part of the, uh, the television screen? And they do that on Sundays. I've been in there Sundays with Jimmy Johnson, Michael Strahan, uh, uh, Howie Long, everybody who does the, uh, the NFL on Fox. What's unique about that is while we had that bank of 10 television screens, in theory, all of you could easily watch all of those college football games as well, right? Because you have cable and you can go watch them. You couldn't do that, though, for the NFL. So sometimes I'd be stuck in L.A. on that Sunday. I'm a poor bastard Tennessee Titans fan, and I would want to watch my Tennessee Titans play. Well, they're not ever going to be on in L.A. They're not ever going to be on in my hotel room. So I would walk over to the Fox lot where we had the – satellite set up and I could watch the Titans play but how stupid is that in a modern era you want to make your product as easily accessible as possible and I think the NFL should follow what they did with Turner and CBS for the NCAA tournament every NFL game should be on for everybody now some of you are out there saying well just get direct TV well everybody can't get direct TV I love what direct TV does I love what they do for sports fans But the problem is some people live in apartments. Some people live in condos. Some people live in areas where the reception for satellite is not that great. At a minimum, 
I think that if DirecTV wants to grow that brand, they should allow anybody to stream the NFL Sunday ticket on their phones or on their iPads. Like I would do what I would do honestly for years is I would be traveling like for three years. I went to LA every weekend, like probably 20 weeks a year. I would be in LA and I would fly out from Nashville to LA and then I would come back and I would fly back on Sunday and I would schedule it so that I could buy, I'd fly Southwest airlines and I could sit on Southwest and I could buy the NFL red zone for like four or five bucks. It's a great setup for Southwest And so I would sit there and watch the NFL Red Zone, watch all the games taking place all day. But why shouldn't I be able to, instead of watching Red Zone, just be able to individually buy the game that I want to watch if I'm out of market too? That would make things a lot better, right? In this day and age of pay-per-view where you can get on an on-demand service and basically buy any movie or any TV show that's ever existed, shouldn't you at minimum, if they're not going to put them on all for free, Shouldn't you be able, if you're out of market, to go in and pay five bucks and watch any game that you want? I just think that makes so much sense for the NFL in terms of growing their brand. I'll bring in the crew and see whether everybody agrees with me or not, but all of that is building out of if I were a media executive at the NFL, that's what I would be moving towards. As they sit down and start to move around all the different figures and permutations and figure out how much money they're going to make from Fox for the NFC, from CBS for the AFC, from DirecTV and AT&T for NFL Sunday Ticket, from ESPN for Monday Night Football, for the Thursday Night Football Package, Amazon, Apple, all of these different Facebook, massive companies out there that are trying to figure out how to be involved with the NFL. Figure out a way to make every one of your games available just like they did it for the NCAA tournament. Give fans an opportunity to watch the game they want to watch, just like Turner and CBS did. And I believe you will be rewarded with ratings increases. If you give people control of the remote control and you provide great content, the result is fantastic. There's no doubt at all about that. I'm Clay Travis, 877-996-6369. I think we're going to talk to Colin Cowherd at the end of this hour. He's going to give us a buzz, but... In the meantime, take your calls. We'll react, bring in the crew, see what they think about my decision. Also, if they remember back in the day, the NCAA tournament, how frustrating that was to have a favorite team and not be able to watch them, have to go out to a sports bar. Maybe you're a kid, and you're like, you can't. You, when you're a kid, you really can't control it. You get your dad or your mom have to drive you out to a, a sports bar, grandma, grandpa, whatever it is. Like, that's tough. In this day and age, fans should be able to consume every game of their favorite team Make it possible, and you will be rewarded. I'm Clay Travis. We make everything possible here, and you reward us consistently with insane amounts of downloads, attention, affiliates, and love. And I got to tell you that who rewards me? My friends at Casper. I've been sleeping on my Casper mattress for a while. I'd pick it over any mattress I've ever had. It really does help me get the best night's sleep, period. Once you try Casper, you're going to love yours as much as I love mine. Switching to Casper is a no-brainer. Higher quality mattress at a more affordable price. I'm sleeping cool and comfortable every night thanks to Casper's two high-tech foams. Much better than the old overpriced mattress I used to have. Casper ships right to your door for free in a small, how'd they do that size box? I, I, I'm not kidding. I got a king-size uh, mattress delivered to my door, and I couldn't believe they actually fit it into the box that arrived at my house. They'll even pick it up if you don't love it and refund you everything. 
From its breakthrough design and superior quality to its packaging to letting you try it for 100 nights, it's no wonder Casper was named one of Fast Company's 50 most innovative brands of 2017. Sleeping on a mattress is the best way to try it. Put Casper to the test in your own home for 100 nights risk-free. Go to Casper.com and use code OUTKICK for $50 towards the purchase of your mattress. That's Casper.com, code OUTKICK, and get $50 towards the purchase of your mattress. Casper.com, terms and conditions apply. If your check engine light comes on, head to AutoZone. Their fix finder tool can check it on the spot for free. Get in the zone, AutoZone. And with TrueCar, you can find out what other people in your area pay for the same car you're looking for and on average save over three grand off MSRP. Whether you're looking for a new or used car, visit TrueCar to enjoy a more confident car buying experience. I'm Clay Travis. Thanks for spending your Thursday morning with us here on OutKick. Jason Martin, you grew up in north and south carolina i think right and you probably got snowed under if you didn't want to watch acc basketball it was impossible to see other games in your region uh yeah i I grew up in virginia and then i moved to north carolina that's when i was old enough to really know what i was seeing and the ncaa tournament was a constant disaster because in the 90s when you know i was in high school duke and north carolina were competing for championships every single year wake forest had tim duncan and randolph childress and rodney rogers and they were on fire jim valvano was still at nc state so when it was time for the ncaa tournament i knew that a lot of the time because everything was on cbs i was going to be watching duke beat lamar by 30 or you know north carolina beat mississippi tech by 700 and they were never going to break from it like even if all the other games were close the way that it used to be done maybe you'd get the buzzer beater but usually you wouldn't even get that live like they would almost never pull away from these games at all so living there and you know I, I grew up and my dad and I would go to Virginia basketball and Virginia football games in Charlottesville and you know even had season tickets at Scott Stadium for a couple of years for football and you could never see that when it came time to the NCAA tournament to watch Virginia even if Virginia was on in Carolina it was always going to be Carolina and that's fine I understand that's the bigger fan base but it was so frustrating because you knew it was going to be a blowout and all these Thursdays and Fridays became maybe half the day you're going to get what you want and half not so once this new deal happened then you didn't have to go to these watch parties that radio stations would hold and all this where they would have all of the stuff that you wouldn't be able to see elsewhere. You can actually just sit. I can have my iPad in front of me. I can have a laptop on the table in front of me, and I can have the television there, and I can have three of the four games going on simultaneously and not miss anything. It's just – in 2017, it should always be this way. That was my whole argument with the Masters, the same deal. Show the whole damn tournament. Like yeah, just, it's, it's no ridiculous that the Masters on Thursday and Friday, you can't watch it all. I agree completely. Like, the technology is there. And I think it's just an instructive moment to look at CBS and Turner and see how their ratings went up when they gave people more options, right? Like, there's this idea, I think, among some groups out there that if you just stay, you know, like, oh, we don't want to mess up what's going on right now. Oh, we'll lose viewers if we do X, Y, or Z. No. If you treat fans with uh, with options, if you give them options to consume your products in more ways, that works better for you. This idea of building walls and creating opportunities to not give people to consume your product is a bad move. I mean, you guys are out in L.A., and people in L.A. are starting to recognize this too now, right? Because you guys, for a long time in L.A., before you ended up with the Chargers and the Rams there, you'd get the best games. That was the benefit of not having a team in L.A., was you put on the television and you get the best possible games, and now... Let's be honest. The Chargers and the Rams are probably not going to have the best games. So getting an NFL team 
actually makes the games on television in L.A. worse. Well, as you know, Clay, it's still pretty much a Raider town. In the morning, we would get the best game. In the afternoon, we'd get the Raiders game a lot. Yep. Now, that's not the case. Now, we're going to be stuck with the Chargers and the Rams. And it's it's interesting that the sports bars are great here in Los Angeles, but that gets really expensive. You figure you go, you get a few drinks, you get food. By the time you do that a couple of times throughout the season, you could have bought the Sunday ticket package, but then a lot of us live in condos like where exactly. I live. I can't have a dish. And That's I know, big. Yeah, and I know people tell me, oh, well, you can just get it on the Internet. I don't want to watch on my computer. Yeah, that wanna... Homeowners Association yeah. thing's a big deal. There are places where you can't put dishes, even in suburbs and things like that. I used to, like, it should be some kind of a standalone service that's offered to anybody that wants to do it exclusively that doesn't necessarily have to kowtow to whether the cable company or whatever it is that keeps dishes out of your prospective neighborhood or you can't get a signal and all this like that, that can't happen for something as large as the NFL. You should be able to watch any damn game that you want no matter what if you're willing to pay for it. And, Clay, you know what it is? Some of these uh, housing developments are in cahoots with certain cable companies. Exactly. Yes. Yes. And that's why they don't allow the dishes. Yeah, look, I mean, it, it, it's a little bit of a messy situation, and I think the NFL could resolve it. And I'm not saying, look, that DirecTV shouldn't be able to get an exclusive game, right? I mean, I think that at DirecTV has been a huge boon, I think, in general to sports fans. Like, they've recognized how important sports fans are to their business. And I don't begrudge them making the decision, like, look, we want to have the NFL Sunday ticket exclusively. In fact, if suddenly I moved out of Nashville – my, I would definitely try to get DirecTV, right? Like Because I would want to watch the Tennessee Titans play, and I wouldn't want to do what you just said, Danny G. I wouldn't want to go to a sports bar every weekend. Because, look, I got young kids. I got a family. It's a lot easier to put that game on and just have it in my house than to try to drag, you know, am I going to take my kids with me? Am I just telling my wife, like, every Sunday, hey, you got all three of the kids by yourself while I go to a sports bar and have some beers and watch football? I mean, that's tough to get away with in your own home, it's a lot easier to get away with. So I hope the NFL is going to come and end up making a decision similar to what CBS and Turner did in their next round of television negotiations. And if you're wondering, you're out there right now, and you're like, how did this become a topic? We had an incredibly good, I think, an informative interview with Rich Greenfield, who covers media for BTIG Research. And he was on with us from uh, 7.30 to 8 o'clock Eastern last hour. And if you didn't hear that, I think you probably would love it. Lots of great feedback on Twitter. Uh, he's at RichBTIG if you want to go follow him. But we're basically talking about the way that sports media is evolving. All right, speaking of sports media evolving, there is a big feature piece on me. What is it, like 3,000 words? How long is that thing, Jason Martin? Yeah, it's long. It's long as hell over at the uh, the Daily Hack. The Daily Beast has written a, what would you call it, a negative article about me? What would you call it? A, I'd uh, call it a hit piece. A hit piece. Um and so we'll discuss uh, the hit piece. Um, you know, and I think this is, I start off the show talking about this, right? As my prominence grows and as this show's prominence grows, people recognize that they can get people to read articles by using my name, right? They can be like, Clay Travis did X. And people will click on that link because they're like, either you like me or you hate me. And this is like, I mean, it's got to be like a three or four, 3,000 word piece. I haven't even been able to read it. I just kind of skimmed through it. Um, and, uh, and it's like, uh, the headline is what's the headline, Jason Martin. Do you have it open in front of you right now? Yeah, I do. The actual headline is the Alex Jones of sports just blew up ESPN. So the Alex Jones thing, like, I don't get that. I'm not that familiar with him. Um, you know, in general, but I would say this, this is what happens. Like 
if you are a middle of the road or conservative person, then they want to delegitimize you, right? Like the media wants to delegitimize you because the most of the media is incredibly left wing. And so I don't know much about Alex Jones. I'm not a guy. I know he's got like what info wars or something. Yes. Um, I mean, you probably are familiar with him, Jason Martin. Am I, am I similar to Alex? You know, us both. I would no. imagine. Am I similar? No, not, not in any way. And in my opinion, I mean, Alex Jones, no offense. He's a lunatic as far as I'm concerned, but in general, He's a profiteer in the way he goes about, but all of his stuff's about conspiracy theories. You don't it's not a like, conspiracy theory to say that ESPN goes the liberal route on just about everything. It's factually there. All you have to do is watch it. It's not close. Yeah, I'm not even sure like what conspiracy theory do I advance? That's what I'm saying. Like you're not really you're not spinning webs here. Like this is not some kind of investigation deal or whatever on television like this is clearly obvious stuff and all you're doing is mentioning the facts and the, like that alex jones guy the facts. only thing i know about alex jones is he wasn't he the guy who said like sandy hook was made up yes that was one of the things but he says you know that fluoride in the water is turning frogs gay and stuff like that. I mean, he's insane. Like, you should really that's look pretty, it up and spend some time. It's that, pretty amazing. That's pretty entertaining. But, I mean, I'll open up the phone lines. What is the most ridiculous opinion that I've ever had? Like, if you're going to call me some guy that I don't know uh, and say that, like, I'm the Alex Jones of sports media, first of all, like, I think the better analogy would be that I'm the Howard Stern of sports media. Yeah, I agree. And that's what we, you know, when we discussed this show like a week into it, Clay, that's what I told you. I said, this is what this show can be. You're not going to be Dan Patrick. You're not going to be Rich Eisen. With all due respect to those guys, that's not what you do. But you being who you are, you can be the Howard Stern of sports. You can be the guy where the people that don't like you are more apt to listen to you than the people that do, just so that they can back up whatever viewpoint that they have. And by the way, I just threw this article into Microsoft Word just to get a word count on it. 5,385 words. 5,385 words. I knew it was a long article. Because you know how when you pull up an article, like you start yeah. to scroll, and that scroll bar doesn't come down very far, and you're like, my God, how, how much time am I going to have to invest here? Fif- like, they just wrote 5,385 words about me on the Daily Beast. 5,385. I mean, that's that an insane absurd. number. absurd. All right, so anyway, there's a big, long piece there. I invited the writer to come on. He said his editor m- probably wouldn't allow him to come on. So uh, there, there we go with that. But anyway, I at least put that out there. Let's go to trending now. Live from the Geico Fox Sports Radio studios. Easy to save 15% or more on car insurance with Geico. Go to geico.com or call 800-947-AUTO. The only hard part, figuring out which way is easier. And with TrueCar, you can find out what other people in your area paid for the same car you're looking for and on average save over three grand off MSRP. Whether you're looking for a newer used car, visit TrueCar to enjoy a more confident car buying experience. We're going to have Colin Cowherd join us as he drives into work. Obviously, this show leads into Dan Patrick, which then leads into Colin Cowherd, which then leads into Doug Gottlieb, which I think makes the greatest 6 a.m. to 6 p.m. collection of intriguing sports talk radio talent that's ever existed in the history of sports talk radio. Credit to Scott Shapiro and Don Martin, the bosses of Fox Sports Radio, for putting all that together. But Colin's going to hop on with us as he heads into the Fox Sports studio. He calls in every now and then. Thought it'd be good to have him uh, kind of bounce in, given all the controversy of late, and see what uh, what his verdict is. I think he does the most consistently entertaining show in terms of a uh, one-man operation in Sports Talk Radio for a very long time. So we will talk to Colin. Uh, I'm going to go ahead and take a break. Flip side, Colin from Manhattan Beach. I think he's still in Manhattan Beach. will be on the line with us. Colin Cowherd here on Fox Sports Radio.
Skilo bringing us back in. Final segment of the show. We got Colin Cowherd lined up as he drives into work at Fox Sports. So what does it mean when Geico says just 15 minutes could save you 15% or more on car insurance? It means you probably should have gone to Geico.com 15 minutes ago. I'm going to start off, Colin, by saying your podcast download numbers. I don't know how much you talk about them on your own show, but I'm going to pump them up here because they are otherworldly. The number of people who listen to your show on podcasts, and I'm sure terrestrial television, everything else, is unlike any audience that exists in daily sports talk radio. So uh, for that, I mean alone, I don't know if you pat yourself on the back. I'll pat you on the back for it because the numbers are flat out phenomenal. Uh, Have you been blown away by what podcasting has done for your reach? Uh, Yeah, I'm going under a tunnel here real quickly, so I hope I don't lose you uh, for about 30, 10 seconds here. Uh, my audience, I have been absolutely shocked. Uh, I thought I would bring an audience over. I had no idea that the audience would become what it is. And it's growing really quickly. Uh, only 40% of people are aware of podcasts. So those numbers, Clay, are going to continue to go up and up and up. I just feel indebted to the audience, man. I just honestly, I've always worked hard. Uh, the fact that people have followed me over, and a lot of it, Clay, is just that Fox has done a remarkable job on radio and TV to build a bunch of really talented people in front of me and behind me. I mean, a lot of this is just inertia based on all the talent of the company now. Yeah, you know, I love talking with you, and we talk a lot offline now, because a lot of people who do what we do have no idea what the business actually consists of, how it works. They don't think about anything other than I'm going to put some words on a page. They don't think about anything other than I'm talking into a mic or even I'm on television. You think strategically and intelligently about not just where business is, but where it's going. Why did you decide to go to Fox? Because that was really a strategic move on your part. It wasn't just money. Uh, well, no, it wasn't money, really. Uh, both companies were uh, very fair. Uh, it was. Um, I didn't like the direction of ESPN my last year. Uh, I like the personnel that was lining up in management at Fox. Uh, I'm able to own large chunks of my business at Fox, and I was not allowed to. They don't allow anybody at ESPN to do that. And frankly, I wanted to be able to kind of start over. I felt I was boxed in at ESPN. Uh, They chose Mike and Mike over me as the show to promote, and I thought I did a better show. I worked harder. Uh, That show now is breaking up. Um, So I just there was a lot of reasons, Clay. You and I talk a lot about this. Just like OutKick, the coverage. Uh, I wanted to own more space, um, and I just didn't like the direction of ESPN. Uh, George Bodenheimer ran the company my first seven, eight years. I thought it was remarkable. Uh, after that, it changed. I don't want to badmouth anybody, but I didn't like the direction. Uh, money became a constant topic. Um, uh, certain people moved into the radio division I didn't want to work for, and then I just left. It's, it's a fascinating question, you know, like about where the media universe is going. Um, you obviously have your show that airs simulcast on FS1. You've got, like I said, that podcast outreach, which is just massive. I get this question all the time, and I bet you do as well. If you were talking to an average 20-year-old out there in college right now, what would you want them to know about sports and media? What advice would you give them? They're in college right now. Maybe they're streaming this as a podcast. They're listening. What makes sense to them? What would you want to tell them, boy, girl, out there right now that could lead to success in this industry? Uh, Be viable at many things. You can write. You can report. You can do radio. You can do podcasts. You do digital. You do Facebook. You can do television. Uh, I think I do several things at a decent level. 
uh, these people that come out and they're, and they're writers, and mommy and daddy sent them to prep school, and they can write, uh, and they're just brilliant, and nobody cares. The written word's dying. It died in newspapers 20 years ago, magazines 10, and the Internet, unless, like you, uh, you come in with more reasonable, moderate views, talk a little gambling, have a raw sort of appeal, um, and start at the regional level and, and grow, if you just throw yourself out there as a national website and with a bunch of writers, it's over. So I think you have to do what you've done, which is the ability to um, modify on a consistent basis and uh, just be nimble. The word I always use with people, be nimble. Don't be, I want to be a writer. Well, you better be able to do something else besides that because ESPN is the house of a lot of sports journalists, and they're flushing them out really quickly. Your show. Uh, I listen to the show a lot. I've been on a lot as a guest. When you come in, I always like to talk about the procedure of how we decide what shows we're going to do on a day-to-day basis, right? Like what topics they're going to be. How do you decide what your topics are going to be off the top? How many different iterations do you go through? How many different ideas do you have? I say I sit down with a note card with four topics that I plan on hitting on any given show. Now, that can change depending on what, the, what happens in the news and everything else. But for you, what's your process right as you pr- like as you prepare for your show? Uh, that you can't talk about the lead story enough. People think, oh, I get tired of that story. I heard you talk about it an hour ago, to which I say, you were listening an hour ago. <laughs> um, it, really is, it, it really is rinse and repeat. If, the, if there's a huge tornado in America, does the Weather Channel move off it all day? No. If there's a plane crash, does CNN move off it all day? No, they won't move off it for a month. Uh, does Fox News get off of Trump very much? No. So why in sports should I have to talk about tennis? I talk about primarily August 1st through February 5th, NFL and major college football. And then I go skiing or go to Mexico for a couple of weeks, you know, go have a nice vacation. I come back March 1st, I do college basketball for a month. And then I move into NFL draft and NBA for three months, and four months. And it's a rinse and repeat. Don't overthink it. Um, you know, you can get off and I always have kind of a belief, Clay. None of us are as funny or as smart as we think. Play the hits over and over. Try to be creative talking about them. Talk about them in, you know, different varieties. But if you're talking college basketball, it better be Duke or Kentucky. And if you're talking the NFL, you better sprinkle in a lot of Cowboys. And that's the game. We're talking to Colin Cowherd as he heads in for work. You can obviously listen to his show on many of these uh, Fox Sports Radio stations that you're listening on right now, including Sirius XM Channel 83. What did you think about the Robert Lee controversy? Like the decision that ESPN made. I- I've said it's like not even the slippery slope. It's like the bottom of the slope, right? Like you're already down the slope by the time you decide this guy's name is too similar to Robert E. Lee to call a game. Yet it seems like this is happening over and over and over again where politics is bleeding into sports. Do you see that? Is it a good thing? Is it a bad thing? Your thoughts in general on that? Well, I thought they butchered that story. That story came on the heels of the auction story, which they got beat up in the press. So then they overreacted on Robert Lee. Uh, It's kind of a vicious cycle. Uh, I thought it was – I just didn't understand it whatsoever. Um, and And I think what's happened to ESPN is, you know, for about 30 years, Clay, they just dominated their space and they controlled the message. Now they have competition. There's erosion of subscribers, erosion of ratings. I mean, their radio network in the two years since I've left is a disaster. 
Uh, my numbers are my slots down 40 percent. Mike and Mike are quitting. Ryan Rosillo may get fired, and Bamani Jones doesn't work on terrestrial, though he's a super talented guy. So, like, they're eroding and they're facing pressure, and they don't control the message anymore. And it, it becomes this vicious cycle where there was the, the auction story was ugly, and then they somebody in management goes, "Uh-oh, Robert Lee, and that's ugly." And I just think for 30 years they dominated their space. And then all the leagues created networks, and we did, and NBC did. And there's a lot of people worried about their jobs, uh, very fearful, and it's created a psychology in a building in the building that is palpable for the people that work there. I mean, I've got lots of friends. The fact, the part of that story that's really the most troubling for ESPN is that you're able to consistently and outkick uh, break stories about ESPN, telling you there's major dissatisfaction inside the building. So somebody called you knowing you're the last person they would want to have it, and you got it. That tells you their primary issue. It is an unhappy building, and they're in a dying business. We are not. We have a massive regional sports network. I'm not going to give you the numbers on air, off air. I think we've discussed them. That protects us. We are not dying. They are. And it's, it's a scary place to be. It's a dying business over there. And there's a lot of people reeling and just trying to protect their space. I think that's a good point. I've said it on here. I mean, remember, this story that I broke about the Robert Lee, it came from inside ESPN. There's a lot of people at ESPN that are fans of OutKick and think that the direction of ESPN is wrong, and they're unhappy, and they reach out, and they want us to break stories, even though, obviously, I'm not ESPN's favorite person. Far from it. Uh, Colin, you and I also talk about how most people who cover stories look at where they are as opposed to where they're going. And you are very optimistic about what's going to happen at FS1 in terms of the growth of that network because you're looking around the corner as opposed to what's in front of you right now. Explain why. Well, we never had a leadoff hitter. Uh, We're basically a baseball team without a leadoff hitter. So to find Skip and I in Whitlock, you have to go every day, come over and find us. We don't get any casual viewers. But yet we've, we've tripled our My numbers just keep going up and up, and Skip's are remarkable. And speak for yourself now in the last six months has a certain momentum. Uh, Now we have a leadoff hitter as of Labor Day. And we have the Big Ten. And we have the World Cup. Um, Listen, it's not hard to figure this out. You can tell just simply by looking at basic data what works. ESPN's doing video shows into debate, into journalism, back to debate. Uh, We're five guys. Big personalities, people you know, strong opinions, rinse and repeat. It's working. It works at Fox News. It works with us. We will have um, – it, it's just not difficult to figure out. You can watch your outkick numbers. You see yeah. what works on a daily basis. So we're growing quickly, and we've just started our growth cycle. Uh, it will only grow significantly quicker uh, the day after Labor Day for the next two years. Uh, that's when my contract ends. I hope I resign. But the business is not about your website, you know, foxsports.com. It's not driving business. It's a TV world. Uh, it's a radio world that's growing. It, it, I, I would say it's actually audio, not radio. Yeah, it's Colin. It's a world. It's a face. We, we are going to the end of the show now. I wanted to get you on. You were fantastic. Listen to Colin Cowherd. Nationwide, I'm Clay Travis. This has been Fox Sports Radio. Oh, 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 O'Reilly.
You need parts? O'Reilly Auto Parts has parts. Need them fast? We've got fast. No matter what you need, we have thousands of professional parts people doing their part to make sure you have it. Product availability. Just one part that makes O'Reilly stand apart. The professional parts people. Oh, 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 O'Reilly. Auto Parts. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. It's Freddie Prinze Jr. and Jeff Dye back in the ring. Wrestling with Freddie makes its triumphant return for an electrifying fourth season. Hey, Jeff, are you ready to rumble our way into an all-new season of Wrestling with Freddie? You better believe I have. I've been practicing my body slams, and I'm jacked. All right, don't go injuring yourself now. We'll be highlighting the best stories and matches of the week in wrestling from AEW, WWE, and have one-on-one talks with the best talents in the world of pro wrestling. Listen to Wrestling with Freddie on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Saleya Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take DC. We dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take DC on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.